one of the worst kept secrets in the marketing world is that many of the biggest influencers actually use ghostwriters to create a lot of their content. If you see big, big influencers writing post after post after post, chances are they're not working alone. They actually have a team of writers working with them. And if you've ever been in the position of wondering, how do I do content marketing if I'm not a good writer? Or how do I do content marketing if I'm super, super busy, if I have a company to run, if I have more money than I do time? Can I hire someone to ghostwrite and to produce my ideas for me in an effective manner? The answer is yes, you can. And today, Neil Patel, I believe for the first time, is going to talk about how he worked with ghostwriters and give some advice to anyone else who's considering it, as well as talk about why he stopped using ghostwriters. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. We need it. It's how we grow. So head over there and do that at some point or another. But now we have the episode. Let's get started. I'm John Morrow, and this is Breakthrough the Noise. A podcast about rising above all the noise out there, all the endless ads and content and notification and get people to pay attention to you. Not just for a moment, not just for one poster video. On this podcast, you'll learn how to create lifelong fans who hang on your every word so you never have to break through the noise again. All right. So, Neil, so good to have you on Break Through the Noise. It's been years. I don't know if most people know this, but I worked for you for a little while over at Kissmetrics. And I was sad to see you leave and do your own thing. Although I'm happy for your success. I was yeah. sad. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I learned a lot from you while I was there and got to accomplish some big things. And it's crazy how we haven't had a chance to connect much since then. But you've gone on and, and gone up to a crazy scale. And I just have to admire that because... I mean, speaking as like a very artistic person, I've found it very difficult to like really scale content up the way you have. And so I was excited to have you on and talk about that. Yeah, content's definitely hard to scale, but uh, you're right. I've, I've been decent at scaling it up in mass quantity, at least blog content, right? Even video content I've scaled up, same with podcast content. Social, not so much so. Technically, I have, but... I don't do a ton of personal stuff on social. That's more so of choice than anything. Scaling uh-huh. content, once you get the hang of it, it's not too hard. Your listeners or readers probably can do it way better than I can. Well, so let's talk about your process that you've used. I mean, I'm aware that, like a lot of different people, uh, most people aren't aware that a lot of influencers, I mean, they're not just going into WordPress and typing out their posts there's this whole process that usually involves multiple people. It could include not only sort of keyword research experts, but also like ghostwriters are very common. So, I mean, over the years, how has your content production process evolved? Yeah. So years and years ago, I used to have a point where I would crank out two blog posts a day. At that time, I would have ghostwriters help me out. And we had the process of, 
them emailing me headlines, me approving it, them outlining it. Once they outlined it, I would go in and modify the outline. Once I liked it, they would then go and write. And then it would then go to someone who uploads it into WordPress, edits it, adds an image from a stock photo site, and then publish. Uh, And then I always enjoyed promoting it, so I promoted it myself. As in pushed it on social, wrote the custom headlines, the paragraph. And we would give the writers a rubric to follow. And it was really simple, right? Use subheadings, always start off the intro with a conversation. Technically, we'd want to keep the conversation going throughout the whole post, though. Uh, Wrap up the post with a conclusion and label it conclusion. And then end the post with a question, which would encourage comments as well. And it was a very simple process. And then over time, once the writers got the hang of it, I would put in an editor. So then I would remove myself from the whole process. And then eventually I got tired of it because the ghostwriters, it's really tough for them to write personal content with personal stories. Yep. Like a good example of this is one of the most popular posts on CopyBlogger from back in the day was, I believe, how like... James Cameron wears woman underwear or something like that, right? I don't James know. James Chartrand, yeah. There you go. And sorry for getting the name wrong, but it's super personal, right? So I enjoy blogging. I blog once a week. I can't even recall the last time I used a ghostwriter. It's been that many years. And I'll just crank out one blog post a week, super, not even actually super thorough. Some of my posts are really, actually, they all average around 2,000 words. Not because I'm doing that on purpose, it's just accidental. And I try to tie in personal experiences and stories and stuff that people can't get elsewhere. I mean, for a while you were running Quick Sprout too. So you just had a ton of content. But then you recently scaled it all back. Was it just because of the quality of the content or you weren't getting the ROI that you were looking for? No, it wasn't even the ROI that was an issue. I probably had better ROI writing mass quantity of content. I just personally wasn't happy with it. Quick Sprout is no longer my blog. It's owned by Heath and Shaw, my Kissmetrics co-founder. Yeah. And I look at the Neil Patel blog is just, it's fun. It's my passion. So it's not really trying to optimize for a ROI. Of course, as a business, we need to make a ROI, right? But when I'm writing content, I just write for the sake of it. And I write whatever's on my mind. And that's fun that I enjoy. Funny enough, I don't even do keyword research or any of that. I just literally write whatever is on my mind. Keep in mind, it's a bit different for me because like I have 6 million visitors a month. So yeah. I don't really have to do the research. I already have a built-in audience. Well, at a certain point, too, I mean, after producing all of that content, you've probably covered all the major keywords anyway. You probably have something targeting just about everything. So then it becomes just about attracting more links through thought leadership and and also just enjoying what you're doing. Would you say that's true? I definitely would say that's true. I think I've covered most of the keywords out there, whether that's intentional or non-intentional, just by doing it for so many years, you end up doing that. But yeah, I just enjoy what I'm doing. So I'd rather be super picky. And funny enough, like we're recording this episode right now, but in a few days, I'll write my next blog post and I'll ask one of my friends or quite a few of them some title ideas. We'll go back and forth. I'll pick one or I'll come up with some and then I'll just start cranking myself and you know it usually doesn't take me more than an hour or two to write a blog post yeah 
No, same here. I mean, that's one of the things I say to people whenever they say I don't have time to write blog posts is in the beginning, your first few blog posts are the ones that are going to take you the longest to write just because when you start with anything, you always suck at it. But as you do more and more of it, I mean, you and I have both been going for like over a decade now. And now it's just like, all right, 2,000 words, give me a couple hours. It'll be done. And the way that you get there is just through, number one, having something to say, which you, you said you just you like to write about whatever's on your mind. And number two, just having all of that practice and experience too really helps. Exactly. So what would you say to someone who said, I mean, Neil, I just, I don't have time to write any blog posts. I would tell them that if you don't have time and you're watching, you know, Netflix all day, then you <laughs> do. But if you're really busy and you're in your business, then that's fine. Go hire some ghostwriters from the pro blogger job board. Cool. Out of the businesses that complain about not having time to do content marketing, how many do you think fall into the category of they're just too lazy and how many do you, I mean, this is sort of one of those personal opinion questions and how many do you think fall into the category of just too busy crushing it and need a better process? It depends what kind of segment you're talking about for larger businesses, right? Most of them just have too many things going on for smaller businesses. A lot of them are either cash constraint or time constraint. Most of the people that I actually encounter that say they don't have time for content marketing, most of them are busy and they either have cash or time constraints. It's very rarely that I get people telling me that they're too busy. It's more so I see people saying they want to learn and they're going to do all these things and they don't really come through and do any of them. Yeah. I mean, definitely different segments of the market, different issues. But let's say that we're going to start out and they were going to hire a ghostwriter. So explain the process. Did you mainly work from keywords? Did you have a brief that you worked with that told them kind of what you expected? Or what was the thing that you handed off to a writer to get them going? Nothing. We would actually just tell them to come up with topics. Okay. Okay. Because the last thing we wanted to do is limit their creativity. All right. So you got back a list of topics, then you would approve one. And would approve then, one, then they outline, okay. then they write. The editor will then go and change up keywords. Okay. So you wanted really just more the ideas and everything structured into a good blog post is what you were looking for. Exactly. Okay. And the, the reason you transitioned away from the ghostwriting is, I mean, I noticed when you were doing a lot of those, I mean, the content was basically point and then like image, point, image, point, image, point, image. And when you're outsourcing content like that, I guess that's one way to, to sort of get around the stories is just take screenshots of everything so that you can put it in your post. Was that deliberate or did it just sort of work out that way? Just sort of worked out that way. Because tactical stuff requires less stories, right? And tactical stuff, at the time when I was cranking out more of them, the search volume was quite high. Okay. And I mean, have you noticed search volume dropping as well over the last few years? 
I've seen search volume go up, but keep in mind we've expanded internationally as well. So my data is probably a bit off what most people are seeing. Okay. Very interesting. So when you go through the process of hiring a writer or even writing a blog post yourself, and then you want to publish it out to the rest of the world and, and actually get people to pay attention to it. I mean, you've built up some pretty big followings on social sites, but what are some of the content promotion techniques you've seen work at scale too? The go-to tactics, and this works for any blog, is you email all the people who you linked out to in your post, you ask them to share it, and then the other one is you go look up other similar articles. You can use tools like Ubersuggest or BuzzSumo for that. And you would then go on Twitter, see who tweeted them out, and ask them to also share your content because it's quite similar. Okay. So just basic outreach, uh, getting, getting yeah, people it, to share. Yeah. As long as you're not asking for a link, it's quite easy. The moment you start asking for links, the, the hit rate goes down drastically. It's a much bigger ask. I mean, it takes probably 15, 20 minutes to decide the answer to that versus five seconds to decide whether or not to share someone's post. You think that's the reason why? Yeah, it takes more time to modify, right? Existing content than it does to click a button and it just automatically shares on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, links also have a, a lot of people are trying to sell them these days. That's one of the things I've seen with a lot of our students that they try to start doing outreach and if they go directly for the link, then a lot of times the default response is, well, hey, give me a hundred bucks or whatever for the link. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Once you have your pipeline in place, I mean, you're hiring writers, whether it's from, from ProBlogger or wherever else, and then you're creating your content, you're publishing your content, uh, you're promoting your content. I mean, all of these tasks can be outsourced. Did you eventually outsource the outreach process as well? Or were you doing that yourself? Oh, no. I outsourced the outreach process from day one. I got some people from Upwork to do it for like pennies on the dollar. And their, their SOP was basically anyone who I linked to in the post, do outreach, and anyone who like, shared competing posts, go, go outreach to them. Yep, that's all we did. And then right. you create a list of the people who are usually the most receptive, because then you just keep hitting those same people up for all your posts. You put them on rotation because you don't want to hit up the same people every single time, but you know the model worked well. Basically build a hot list. Of, of the people most likely to share so that you start, I guess, that, that kind of snowballs over time. The bigger and bigger you build that list, you end up getting a lot of shares right off the bat. Exactly. All right, very cool. So, I mean, using that process, how many, I mean, if you had to guess just off the top of your head, how many millions of visitors do you think you brought in just using those techniques? That's a tough one. I don't know, but it's a lot. I, I know that part. I don't yeah. know how many, though. It's a lot. Even just from my blog, these are the tags I use to get over 6 million visits a month, right? So I, I don't know in general, like, hey, this was the key or this is not the key or anything like that. I just know it all adds up, right? Like, it, it's hard to put a number of one thing because it creates a snowball effect over time, sure. what we saw. Sure. And you've also expanded out to other 
languages you talked about and also i mean you've got a pretty active youtube channel now a podcast now is that what you see the future of content marketing being is omni-channel and being on all the different platforms i do i think video is going to dominate over time podcasting and text will still always be popular podcasting will grow in popularity text is already really popular but yeah i think it's omni-channel being out there on all channels including the social web why not repurpose your content, pop it up everywhere? I create a video of something that does well, I'll go write a blog article on some, the same thing. If I create a, I don't know, if, if I create a video that, or a blog article that does well, I can repurpose it into a video, right? It's the same concept. If it works, do more of it. That's, that's one of the basic principles of marketing that's so easy to forget. Exactly. Like I have writer's block. I'm like, huh, what should I write on next week? I've had quite a few YouTube videos that have done extremely well in the last like two weeks. I'm like, cool, I'll take one of those topics and repurpose it into a blog post. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great way to do it. I'm starting to do the same thing with the, this uh, this podcast. Run over some of those same topics. So yeah, I can definitely see that. And uh, you said that on social, the one thing that you said that surprised me is you're not doing much personally on social, like as far as, like you don't do a lot of Facebook lives, Instagram lives, any of that stuff, right? I don't, but my team keeps bugging me to do more. Of that. <laughs> really bad I should do more and it's great. I just don't want to. Is it just having to interrupt your day? What is it do you think holds you back from that? No, I, I, I just want, I like keeping my personal life personal and not out there. But that's just me. Sure. No, that makes sense. You don't want to show everyone what you had for lunch or who you're talking to. Exactly. No, I've been the same way. I found no reason to document my life on Instagram, although it would probably be very popular. It probably would be very popular. And sometimes very boring. Here's me working for 12 hours. Have fun <laughs> watching. Here's me watching Gemini Man. I literally finished that before. Uh, <laughs> I was a few minutes late because I was wrapping up Gemini. <laughs> yeah, if, if people only knew, I mean, a lot of uh, very successful folks, you know, they, they imagine that we're out here like doing, you know, going to five-star restaurants every minute of every day or or, or traveling around the world or whatever. Well, doesn't this total opposite? I'm wearing a white t-shirt that's from Target, yeah. Lululemon shorts that someone bought for me. My wife made me some, got me some food for lunch or made me, I don't know which one, but I ate it. It was good. My big thing is at least the way I live my life. I've been doing this since I was 16, so I'm 34 now, so <laughs> 18 years. And I put in a ton of hours. I still probably work like 30, 40 hours a week, but I chill a lot more. Like yesterday during the day, I walked to the little park and market with my daughter. Like, I didn't care, you know? It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, or like someone today said, hey, do you want to do this? It can make you X dollars a month. And it would have added up to seven figures a year. I'm like, no, thank you. I don't want to. I'm like, you know, I'm not saying I don't need the money or I'm rich. I'm not saying that at all, but I like having a chill, easy life and I don't, care to be the richest person in the world nor do i probably have the capability in me to be the richest person in the world or you know money isn't my thing 
Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that gets missed a lot is that your lifestyle is ultimately way more important than the actual number. Bingo. And then for me, it's also the challenge too, right? So most of the time that I spend is on like, for me, super mentally challenging stuff. It's not about making money, losing it or any of that. It's just the challenge and overcoming it. I totally get that. I mean, three years ago, this is really stupid, by the way, so no one emulate this because I absolutely shouldn't have done this. But everyone kept telling me to start a self-improvement blog, including the last person that told me was Tony Robbins to start a self-improvement blog. And so I finally sat down and I was right, like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove it. I've still got it. I can write an article that goes viral about self-improvement. So I wrote an article. I started the website, unstoppable.me. And I, the first post got 77,000 Facebook shares. It was one of the most popular posts of the year on Facebook. And then I was like, all right, I'm done. Got no desire to write anything else. So that side has just been sitting there. And people ask me why you could build it into this huge brand. All I did it for was really the challenge. Yeah. And, and, and once I did it, I was like, okay, cool. I'm finished. And that's just the way it worked. What do you find challenging these days? What do you really enjoy? I spend a lot of my time building software and trying to compete with companies that are worth hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, some worth tens of or hundreds of billions, and see if I can beat them on a shoestring budget and create a better product than them. That for me is fun. It makes money too, but it's more so fun than anything else. I don't ever see myself stopping that. You know, running my ad agency, I'm not running the day-to-day. I'm involved in the strategy. That's really fun, helping people get results. I don't care to deal with sales and operations or any of that. I just care for getting people the traffic. Sure. One of the most eyebrow-raising things you've published recently was when you said that you were cutting back on content and going more towards software. I mean, has software become almost like another kind of content? Or do you think it's something different? It it can. I actually generate a better ROI from the content than I do from the software at this point. That's interesting. So the software attracts a lot of links, but it can be pretty expensive. (laughs) Correct. The cost is substantially more by arm and a leg. And are you doing most of your dev work in the U.S.? Are you outsourcing? How does that work? For the development? I do a mixture of the U.S. and outsourcing, but funny enough, people would think that the outsourcing would be more expensive, but uh, I mean cheaper, but it's actually more expensive. Just because it's difficult to have the oversight, or why do you think that is? I don't really care where I hire people from. They can be U.S., they can be Uruguay, they can be India, they can be Brazil, Mexico, Germany. I just try to find the best people. And if you want to live in Antarctica and you're expensive, then so be it. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Well, this has been a really cool conversation, Neil. I've really enjoyed catching up with you. Is there anything you would like our listeners to go check out on your end? Check out Ubersuggest. It's my version of content marketing. It's so effective that... I think it gets close to 20 million or is it 15 million page views a month? The cost on it is ridiculous, but I've never got this kind of ROI before from creating any piece of content. 
Awesome. So everyone go check out Ubersuggest. We recommend it to our students all the time. If you're a beginner, it's hard to, I mean, so many of the other content research tools are $100 a month or whatever. And when you're a beginner, it's just hard to pay those kind of fees. And it's amazing what you can get for free over at Ubersuggest. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you, Neil, for coming on and speaking candidly about everything. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again soon. Take care and best of luck with everything. All right.